Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard. Thank you. I appreciate that, Josh. I appreciate that a lot. I, I want to give a shout out uh, to women's ministry. Had 29 ladies at Bible study Thursday night. Could you give our women's ministry a round of applause? They are doing amazing work. Over the last three or four weeks, there's been something special happening in our midweek service. And if you want to be blessed, come uh, and, and experience it. Uh, and watch as children, students, and adults worship together. Pastor Aaron is leading us in incredible worship. And Pastor Aaron, I just want to say, brother, you got a million-dollar smile, doesn't he? I mean, when he plays that keyboard and sings and smiles, I just want to go to heaven right then, all right? Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for leading us this morning. This Wednesday night... Just so you know, we're going to not do our regular midweek. We're going to actually meet in T7 right in here. We're going to eat together. There'll be uh, children's ministry. We want to encourage you to come and be a part. I want you to understand that we're going to continue to do midweek. Uh, We're going to continue to do men's ministry. We're going to continue to do women's ministry. We're going to continue to re-infuse our church with what God has for us for our future. And we're going to talk about being a people of the future and what that looks like Wednesday night. And I just want to encourage you that I'm going to be sharing with you a very unique, special opportunity that our church has in 2023. You go, what is it, Pastor? Come Wednesday night and you'll find out. God is opening up opportunities for us as a church. We're praying through those as a pastoral leadership team, as an elder board, as we speak. We're working on some things that we believe God wants us to do as a church in 2023. And I want to encourage you to come, be a part of this evening, 6 p.m. this Wednesday night. Second of all, I don't normally do this, but my wife and I, my bride and I, and our fifth-born Journey Grace right here on the front row, We are going to a prophetic uh, healing service uh, at Dr. Rosalind Bagby's church down off of Jetwig this Friday night. And it's, we're going to be a part with the African-American community. We're going to be asking God for healing. We're going to be asking God to speak. And I want to encourage you, if you want to go with me, just send me an email at kelly at vanguardchurch.org. We'll get you the details. We'll meet you there. Dr. Roslin and I got to pray together a little over two years ago at a citywide event with Cause I Love You over racial reconciliation. But she also prayed a beautiful prayer over my life, over my family's life, and over this church's life. And see, God is at work even when you don't see it. As I said last week, God does his best work when you don't even know he's doing it. And I want to encourage you uh, to realize that God is at work. Keep leaning in. Keep trusting him. And yes, as the song says, Pastor Aaron, we can't outrun God's love. Amen? Come on, amen? Amen. But guess what? We're going to try, right? Every one of us 
at different times in our lives, get frustrated with God. And either you're willing to admit it or you're just lying. Because all of us find ourselves looking at God at certain points saying, I don't get it, God. I don't understand God. Could you explain that to me? And then as we talked in our last series on faith drift, we begin to then drift away from God. The nation of Israel began to drift away from God. And there comes a point when we keep outrunning God's love that you know what he does? He says, like a good parent, enough is enough. And God understands that if he does not come to us and address us, we will not only outrun his love, but leave his love and miss out on the most incredible, miraculous goodness and kindness that could ever be displayed and given to us in our lives by our relationship with him. And so today, I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, and we're going to look at Micah chapter 6, verses 1 to 16 today. And we're going to ask this question, why does God indict us? Why does God indict us. And I want to invite you to share the service today uh, to be a virtual evangelist. Good morning, Mike. It's good to see you online. Uh, Good morning, Jerry. It's good to see you online. We continue to pray for you, my friend. Good to talk to you yesterday, praying God's continued healing upon your life. Look at Micah chapter 6, verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. Hear what he has to say. So what does he got to say? Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains. Here it is. The indictment of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment. I want you to see these words. The Lord has an indictment against who? Somebody say it his people. This is personal. This is to us who believe in Jesus Christ. God has an indictment against us, and it is not because he doesn't love us. It's because he does. It's not because uh, he doesn't want to give us his goodness. He does, but we keep outrunning his love, and we keep running away from him, and God says, I've got to get your attention. I'm a long-suffering God, but you are missing out on the greatest life you could possibly live because you're running away from me. He says, I've got an indictment against you. He says, and I will contend with Israel. Verse 3, O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. That's a pretty good trilogy right there. So why does God indict us? Reason number one, to remind us of how good he has been to us. To remind us of how good he has been to us. Unrepentant sin in our lives, you ready? Makes us ungrateful, forgetful, and rebellious toward the goodness 
of the Father. I want to say that again. Unrepentant sin in our lives makes us ungrateful, forgetful, and rebellious to to the goodness of the Father in our lives. And he's looking at our lives and he's saying, here, I want to give you goodness. Here, I want to give you goodness. And you're like, no, I'm going to run away from that. I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. Now, everybody says that they want God's love. But God's a package deal. Wherever God goes, he takes all of who he is with him, and that includes his holiness. That includes his flashlight uh, that shows you the depths of who you are apart from him. And see, none of us like that. I don't like that. Like when I sit at the table like I did this morning and I read God's word and the Lord turns the light on uh, through his word into my heart, I go, oh, that's painful, God. That's painful. And God says to me, I show you that, Kelly, because I love you. I show you that because in this area of your life, for whatever reason, you're outrunning my love. You're not slowing down. You're not realizing that what I have for you is better than anything you can go find somewhere else. And so what happens to us, like the nation of Israel, we begin to tell uh, ourselves a narrative that isn't true. The enemy loves to feed us a narrative that isn't true. It goes something like this. I want you to think about it. Maybe you've heard it before. God doesn't want you to be happy. That's why you're going through this right now. God doesn't want you to be happy. Ah, God wants to control you. He's wanting to withhold something from you. He's trying to control you by, by, by doing this to you. And he's, he's trying to shame you. He wants to keep good from you. He's withholding your fun because he wants you to be miserable. And see, when we outrun the love of God and we refuse to confess our sin and repent of how we've offended God, no matter how small you may think it is, I don't know if you understand this, God's not up in heaven going, hmm, well, their sin's not too offensive. All sin is offensive to God Almighty. And as I put on social media this morning, thank you, Jesus, for Dying on a cross for me, for me, for me. I read this morning in the Gospels, after they got tired of mocking him. Wow. You ever had somebody in your life that finally just left you alone because they had mocked you so much that they were kind of tired of mocking you? Because you're, you just wouldn't go away. You're like the little chihuahua on somebody's leg, right? And you know why they got tired of mocking Jesus? Because they realized he wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to quit. He was going to do what his father had asked him to do, no matter what it cost him. That's what Jesus does. See, we tell ourselves this false narrative and we start saying things to ourselves. And then we forget what he has done for us. 
And then we start saying things like this. What, what has God really done for us? What has he done for us? Where was he when I needed him? And see, here's what happens when we tell ourselves this false narrative. We begin to say to ourselves, my happiness and my blessings are up to me. They're up to me. They're up to me. We begin to live this false narrative and we become a partner with the enemy and we begin to accuse all the good things that God has done in our lives and we begin to explain them away. And, when you're, and this is why community is so important because when you come to Bible study and you tell people what your life's really like and people point you back to Scripture, it's going to upset you because you want to be around somebody that agrees with you. I want to encourage you. That's the worst thing you can do for your life. You need to be around somebody who will tell you the truth and love you at the same time and bring you back into that moment. Now, moms and dads, I'm sure you can relate, right? Your child convinces themselves that their friends know more than you do. This is one of the most painful things about being a parent. You do all the investing and somehow or another, your child's friends are smarter than you are. Now, I know that only happens in the Williams family. In the McKeel family, too. Okay, thank you. I see that hand. And then, and by the way, I think just about every parent has to deal with this, and I did this to my parents as well where you begin to think that your peers are smarter than your parents because your parents are just outdated, right? But then here's what happens with that, and that's pretty normal, but then here's where it goes. Then, depending on who your child is friends with, and see, this is why student ministry is so important, Micah, because who your child is friends with and who they're engaging with is going to largely dictate this next part. Not only are my friends smarter than my parents, but actually my parents are the true enemies. Now the enemy is behind all of this. But what the enemy is trying to do in my home and in your home and in every home is that he's trying to convince your children that you're not as smart as their friends and you actually are the enemy. Now, I want you you say, how do you know this? Well, because even in my own life as a son of the heavenly father, see, the enemy's doing the same thing. He's trying to convince me that my friends here on this earth are smarter than him. And the enemy's trying to convince me that God is the enemy. And he's trying to get me to begin to write a false narrative. Your, your child may try to rewrite the narrative. And I just want to encourage you, moms and dads, be patient. Be patient. Don't stop being who you've been because you haven't yet seen the result that you were hoping to see in your child's life. It is really important, moms and dads, and I know that this is the, the art of negotiation, 
But please don't think your child knows better for themselves than you do. That is a lie. And you have got to have the courage and the confidence to understand that God gave you the children he gave you because he wanted you to lead them. Do not abdicate your authority to their peers. No matter how much pressure they put on you, don't do that. Now, God's going to, the father's going to respond to his children. Look at verse 5. Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. So what happened from Shittim to Gilgal? Right? And I couldn't wait to say this word, you know, in church, right? Because I grew up on a farm. God faithfully delivered them from every trial, temptation, and blessed them with miracles, goodness, and kindness. What happened between Shittim and Gilgal? Let me read that to you again. God faithfully delivered them from every trial, temptation, and blessed them with miracles, goodness, and kindness. I mean, who would want to come to that house for dinner? The only reason why any of us get to leave the Shittims of our lives is because God is good to us and provides a way out. Amen? That's the only way we're going to get out of Shittim. What narrative is playing in your head right now? I remember this summer hitting an elk. Wait, I remember this summer an elk hitting me. Right? And that's what happens a lot of times in our lives. I'm, I'm just trying to vacation, you know? I'm just trying to be on sabbatical. I'm just, I'm just trying to let go of stress and engage in some solitude and some serenity. Look around. I was hoping to see wildlife just not on the hood of my truck. And as I've described in past messages, and I don't expect you to understand this, but when you're exhausted and you're just trying to rest, the last thing you want is an elk on top of the front of your vehicle. And so it took me to a really dark place. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back that took me back to that false narrative in my life. And every one of us have it, by the way. It's that false narrative where we feel we're in the darkest places, we're isolated, and we become very accusatory toward everyone and especially toward God. And I just want you to know, as one of my favorite country songs says, I'm just one drink away from the devil. I like that. And I want you to know that's where I live most of my life. Like, like you, you can look at my life and you can say, wow, or whatever. No, I understand where I live. It, it, it's one decision, and then I'm going the wrong direction. I'm going the wrong direction. And see, when that narrative begins to play out in your life, you then relive everything and every place where God wasn't or you don't understand. And so I, I laid awake that night and just relived every negative thing about my life. 
And then you go, well, what'd you do? Well, I got up the next morning, I did my devotions like I always do, and then I went back in the camper, turned on the AC, laid in the bed and began to worship. Uh, my only begotten son, Joshua, opened the door and he's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm worshiping. So he came in, closed the door and sat down and watched me. I'm like, okay, all right. And, you know, I, I wish I could cry more. I sincerely mean this, Zach, when I say this. I wish I could cry more, but I can't. And, and I can't manufacture it. Uh, but when it comes, I don't, I don't want to stop it. And see, when you're in the dark places of your life, men, you're going to have moments when you're, you're going to want to double fist it. And this is when Paul says, Timothy, tell the men, do this. When you're like this, do this. When you're like this, do this. We had somebody say to us last week, uh, hey, I've been hanging out with the, you know, the chosen frozen. They, we, we don't do this. They go, well, I just, let me tell you, I've got two options in my life. I either do this, <laughs> right, Josh, or I do this. That's who I am. And I take what Paul said to Timothy very seriously that in those moments, and so uh, I called our insurance agency uh, Strangely enough, on June 23rd, the day after I hit the elk and filed the claim, I picked up my truck repaired on September 23rd, one month from today. And my insurance, they said, hey, you know, you got a $500 deductible, so it'll be $10,600 to fix your truck, so we'll send you $10,100. The people that were supposed to fix it couldn't fix it for four months, and I was like, I can't wait that long. So I called somebody that I knew, and I said, hey, I just want a full disclosure here. I have $10,100. Would you like to do an appraisal on this and see if you can fix it? He said, I sure would. Uh, He did the appraisal. He said, I can fix it for $7,800. The elk didn't know his purpose was to pay for our vacation. Thank you, elk. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, your story's not done. Don't draw conclusions to your story. Let God do it. Let God do it. Let God do it. Let God decide how your stories are going to go, what your narrative is. And... Yes, you can help him. You can talk to him and try to currently be writing it in your head. But at the end of the day, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Who, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession. What, is he, what does that mean? It means he's talking to the Father about you, about what's going on in your story today. Amen? Amen. So the choice is yours. Are you going to play a false narrative, the dark narrative, which is going to make you ungrateful and rebellious? Or are you going to say to the Lord, write my story, write my story, write my story. Look at verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? I mean, that's a pretty good offering. And I'll just tell you right now, a calf, I just sold one this past summer, 1800 bucks. Does God want $1,800? That's how I read that. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? I don't know much about them. With 10,000s of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? Well, sometimes you might like to, right? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. 
Do you know what Micah's saying? And by the way, this is what we turn church into. I go to church for the same reason Micah goes right here. So I can figure out how to pay God back for all that he's done for me. And that's why we get so tired is because we've got to figure out some way to do all the stuff that we do for God so that we know that we're paying him back for what he's done for us. And see, the scriptures say it's a free gift. He doesn't want any of us to boast. Just receive it. You say, well, then what does God want us to do? You ready? He wants us to do for others what he's done for us. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. He wants you to do for others what he's done for you. Look at verse 8. He's told you, old man, what's good? Yes, he has. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Well, let me just tell you something. When you do justice... And you see the injustice while you're trying to do justice. It might just make you really angry. But see, God says to do justice. That's the first thing. And then once you've done justice, then he wants you to love kindness. Oh, man. And I got a sneaky suspicion. Everybody in this room is good at one or the other. But nobody in this room or watching online is good at both. Some of us are good at doing justice. Oh, we can bring it in our marriages, can't we? But kindness left a long time ago. And some of us are just so kind, we got the track marks on our faces, right? And we got to learn to do justice. We got to learn to bring it. God wants us to do justice, to love kindness. And then here, he wants all of us to do this, to walk humbly. With him. So, reason number two why he indicts us to remind us how we should live. See, what's interesting is the moment that we outrun the narrative that God has for our story, you begin to see it in how we treat people around us. See, moms and dads, you may not know what's going on in your child's life because they may be lying to you, but you can see how they're starting to treat you, you can see how they're starting to change. You can see how justice and kindness and humility is not a part of their vernacular. So here's three questions. Where in your life has God given you the power to show justice to another human being? Where? Where in your life has God given you the opportunity to show kindness to another human being? Where? Where? And where in your life has God called you to walk humbly before others so they see him through you? I would really encourage you to focus on those three questions this week. The voice of the Lord cries to the city. It is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed. So here's reason number three why God indicts us to remind us it's wise to fear him. It's wise to fear him. 
Can I forget, verse 10, any longer the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked and the scant measure that is a curse? Shall I acquit the man with wicked scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? Your rich men are full of violence and your inhabitants speak lies and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore, I will strike you with a grievous blow and I will make you desolate because of your sins. So here's reason number four why he indicts us, to remind us he sees what's really going on. He indicts us to remind us that he sees what's really going on. And I want you to understand that once you have communicated the message of the Lord to somebody, you then have to pull up. And you have to get out of the way. And you have to understand that your job is done. And once you've done justice to somebody, then you immediately need to go to kindness. And you will struggle with that transition, by the way, unless you're Jesus Christ himself. Once you've spoken truth into your spouse's life, you need to be kind to them. Once you have spoken justice to your child's life, you need to be kind to them. Once you have spoken justice to another peer, uh, to another leader, to a neighbor, whatever the case may be, once you've spoken justice, you have to move to kindness and you have to walk in humility. And that's not easy. And see, if you're listening to the false narrative, you're not going to be able to do that. So look at verse 14. You shall eat but not be satisfied. So here's what happens to us. There shall be hunger within you. You shall put away but not persevere. And what you persevere, I will give to the sword. You shall sow but not reap. You'll tread olives but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes but you won't drink the wine. For you've kept the statues of Omri. By the way, one of the most evil kings of Israel. And all the works of the house of Ahab, another very evil king. You've walked in their counsels. Uh Uh-oh. You go, how did they do that? They've been dead a long time. Because the spirits that advise them are advising us. Do you understand? They're not making any new demons up in heaven or down in hell, however you want to view it. The number of angels that exist have existed long before we came into existence. That I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing, so you shall bear the scorn of my people. So why does God indict us, number five, to remind us sin will never satisfy us? It'll never satisfy us. And all of us have to figure this out. All of us have to figure this out, and every one of our children have to figure this out. Every one of our grandchildren have to figure this out, and every one of our great-grandchildren have to figure this out. Sin will never satisfy. You say, will it bring pleasure? And Well, of course it will. The only hope of satisfaction in this life is the taste of the Lord. That's it. 
Because when you taste of the Lord, you taste of goodness. When you taste of the Lord, you taste of kindness. When you taste of the Lord, you taste of humility. When you taste of the Lord, you taste of the true narrative that God had for your life. And every one of us have darkness that we have to walk through. So what narrative is playing out in your head? Is it a false accusatory to God? Or are you coming back and are you remembering? Are you remembering God's faithfulness? Are you remembering the miracles that God has done in your life? Are you remembering the goodness? Are you remembering the kindness? Why does God indict us? Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Moms and dads, how many times late at night have you shook your head and said, no more, I'm not going to try with this child anymore? Thank God the Father in heaven never said that about us. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Don't give up on the people around you. Don't give up on your neighbors. Don't give up on your coworkers. Don't give up because God never gives up. Trust. Take your hands off after justice. Show kindness. Show humility. Show service. Show love to those that are outrunning God's love. And at God's appointed time, he will come to your rescue. Amen? He loves me when I'm up. He loves me when I'm down. His love surrounds me. I can't get a night. I can't get away. I can't get away. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.